Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mental Toughness and Body Show. My name is Rob Evans, and I'm your weight loss coach, health strategist, and internationally published author, helping take your life, your business, your mindset, your health and wellness from where you are to becoming unstoppable. And today I have an amazing guest with me, and it's George Ross, and we're going to cross to that interview shortly. Now, George is has been Donald Trump's right-hand man for 47 years prior to him becoming president. He's a best-selling author. He's an incredible lawyer and just a, a, a fantastic, fantastic person. He's 92 years old and still going strongly. Now, the first time I met George, it was quite funny. It was over in uh, Los Angeles. And I remember walking down a corridor of the motel and uh, I walked past George. And it was one of those moments where he was coming towards me. I walked past and then stopped and thought, oh, that's George Ross. So I stopped came back, I was going to say something to him and he kind of got flooded with people and people wanted to have photos with him and everything. So, um, you know, I offered to take some photos of people and, um, yeah, first of all, it was one person and then other people came and I was just getting the phones and getting the phones and getting the phones and taking more and more photos to the point that people were just then starting to be a little bit rude. And I was trying to be respectful of George and everything and people were, you know, pushing in front and it was starting to get a bit a bit yucky and at some point George just puts out his hand grabs my hand and pulls me in and um, so I could take a photo with him and I think it just goes to show what sort of person George is he's so giving he's so generous and I had a lot of fun during this interview and there's a couple things to watch out for first of all um, apologize in advance when we're recording these things during COVID and we're working a little bit differently. I had my cat as a special guest who was playing over in the corner and meowing and playing with her toy during the, the interview. So apologies for that. Please don't be distracted. Uh, but also, um, uh, George and I, we were talking about a number of things and I did ask him about the electoral uh, process and he dropped a bombshell about Donald Trump, which really just like, oh, wow. Okay, George. If you want to share that, that's fine. So keep an eye out for that as well. I had a lot of fun. Thanks so much, George. And please, everybody, enjoy this interview. Thank you so much for joining me today, George. It's a, a privilege being able to speak with you. Good. Pleasure being here. So, George, I wanted to ask you your perspective on, on COVID and how it's impacted you over there in the US. I'm in Melbourne, Australia here, and we've been forced to be locked down for, well, seven and a half months. And it's obviously had a big impact on um, us in, in so many different ways. I was just wondering on, on you personally with COVID, has there anything that you've learned about yourself with COVID or observing what has happened around you uh, for others during this pandemic? Well, I think, yeah, it's, it's, it's a whole change in lifestyle. Uh, you don't see people you want to see. You don't socialize as much as you want to socialize. Uh, you're restricted. I don't think we're restricted as much in the United States as in some of the other countries throughout the world. Uh, but it's, uh, it's a change. You don't, you don't travel as much. You don't go to different places. Your entertainment is different. You don't see your children or your family as much as you want. And it's a, it's a different lifestyle, but something that you can live with. It's not impossible, but it's, uh, it's trying. It's, uh, yeah, very different. Um, so tell me the, the perception that we uh, get in the, the media as to what's going on in the US is that it certainly seems to be just escalating more and more out of control. Is that, is that the reality you're feeling like? Well, no, you're got, to be you know, they got escalating. I think that uh, 
part of the part of the problem is the media. Uh, and I think that you're getting a, a an opinion, or you're getting a uh, not opinions. What they're saying, or the way they present it, is is one way. Not necessarily, I think, the truth. They're presenting it in a number of cases, and you're saying, okay, your cases are going up. That's because you're testing, and people are showing positive. That's fine. I mean, that's it. There's no question about it. But on the other hand, if you look at as morbid as it may be. The death toll is not that great. Yes. The people, the people that get it or are asymptomatic, they seem to have, they, they uh, basically get over it in a period of week or two weeks. Nothing dramatic. The amount of uh, real drastic results you have are limited, but you don't see as much of that. So you get yes. the panic of we got 60,000 to 30,000 cases a day. Yeah, but how, when you look at the 30,000 cases, how bad were those cases? What What's the age yeah. group that's involved? If I, most of the people that they get around, I don't know, and I'm looking at my own community. I don't know anybody who's in my community that I know that's died from COVID. Yeah. As horrible as that may be. So, but you don't know it. Nevertheless, yes, previously or early up, you had the big problem where they needed the uh, uh, ventilators and you overran the hospitals. But I think a lot of the therapeutics are there it could make the fact that you have it bearable or that you don't have horrible results are, are then that doesn't come out as much in the open market, in the open world as the effect of saying, well, yes, we've got 30,000 cases. In other words, it's easier to sell something horrible than it is to sell something pretty good. Yes. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so George, I wanted to ask you about your work ethic. I mean, from what I, I see of you, you have such a tremendous work ethic and, a, and I love that. What do you think drives you even today to still be, you know, on this uh, interview with me, you've, you've just got such a tremendous focus. What, what do you think has driven you to have such a strong work ethic? Well, I think what's driven me is the, uh, I, I think it's the, it's the teacher impulse in me. You know, as you look at it and say uh, that uh, my background and what I've done and what I what I have available, I'm saying that if I turn back and say I'm giving you 70 years of experience or 60 years of experience, yes. of very diversified experience for as a teaching or as a professor or a part of a, the apprentice as being a show, the diversification is such that I have opportunities or experiences to, to talk and sneak speak to other people that they might be able to learn something from those experiences that would make their life a little better, easier, call it what you like. But I think that that's helpful. So that's the give back. Why not? Cost me nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Cost beautiful. Me time, so what? I got plenty of time. Yes. Uh, but meanwhile, I look at how difficult the world of business is today as to what it was 20 or 30 years ago. And I become very sympathetic. I'm yeah. saying, gee, I'm glad at this. Uh, I'm reluctant. First, I'm glad I don't have to go through what you're going through now. Yes. But at this, I'm looking back and say, I didn't have it as bad because we didn't have the social media, we didn't have the platforms, we didn't have the internet, we didn't have all of the immediacy. That if something happens, the whole world knows about it. Yeah, instantly, just like that. Yeah. Incidentally, yes, you can turn it on. And uh, that's a uh, television or radio call, whatever it is. That is such that that's how they make their money. You get people. People are interested in scandal, not what's still, not what's good. And I, it's yes. a, I think it's 
it's it's not wrong. It's it, I can't say that it's wrong. It's just it's that's the way it is. You're gonna you bad news sells, good news doesn't. Yes, yeah. So I'm I'm curious if you could go back to say the 20 year old version of yourself. What would knowing what you know now? What what do you think would be some advice you would give yourself back then? Yeah. Okay. The basic advice I would give is to be more aware or interested in technology and the technology, which is, which is growing as be such a very, such an important part of your everyday life and your future life and your business that I would spend more time learning what the technology is and the improvements than just doing what is works out normally, or it's been convenient over a period of time, you know, it's to make the diversion from what was then normal to what is now normal or what is now important and the awareness as i said yeah i i i was aware i would say of technology probably earlier in some of the certainly in the radio business than a lot of competitors but nevertheless it, it was a hard sell because there's a question of changing your mindset as well as getting new equipment and that's yeah. expensive so now you got the same thing. Now today you got to get the new equipment and look what's happening at this. Yeah. What do we have to iPhone 12 or whatever? I mean, you know, yeah. it's, it's always something new, something new, and the drive and that's totally different. What was okay yet last week is not good today. It's different. And yeah. you have to be aware. How does it affect my business? How does it affect how I think? How does it affect how I invest? So all of these things come into play and it's an awareness which you didn't need years ago. So when you were starting out on, on your career, were you a big reader at all? You know, like, did you read like leadership books or inspirational or business books or anything like that? Uh, no, I never, I never uh, read books as such. I was aware of what was going on in the industry, but also that, uh, that I was, there were pitch, companies would pitch product to me. So you got a company like Xerox with picture of product of how to improve the, the office relationship and the, the, the documents and the reputation and others as well. And I was aware of it and saying, yeah, that's good because I could see the saving that would be there, even though there was an expenditure. The hard part was getting people in the know to say, I'm going to spend the money on an, on an untrusted situation, an untrusted system. Yes. And the future work, but that's typical. And it's still there today because you got some, something new when I spend the money to do it. I have to revamp my whole system. Now, one of the areas you got today, which you didn't have there, cybersecurity. Hey, that never existed. Yeah. yeah. But now with, uh, with the emails and everything else and the, and the hacking, it's a, become a whole new business. And not only that, it's something that every business has to be aware of. Yes. So yeah, I, I have to change my business to make it the, I don't want all that information out in the public. Yes. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's operating under a different lifestyle. Does that mean yeah. you shouldn't do it? No, you can, but I would, it's, it's different now than it was then. Yes. So you didn't realize the impact that it, it had. Now you do. Had I known then what the impact would be in 20 years, I would have done things entirely differently. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. George, one of the, um, my passions is around health and fitness and studying successful people. And I'm just wondering on what's the importance that you place on your own health and well-being and, and fitness in success? Oh, that's, a, that's, that's an easy one. 
uh, and I think that you're at a, of all of the topics that I've been discussing mostly, certainly today and the others, I think health and fitness is underplayed. Yeah. It is not only important, it is the key important element of one's life, yes. in my estimation. If you have your health, you got everything. Everything else is second best. Yes. Now, having said that, at this level, when it comes to fitness, people don't, especially the, it's dependent on age. The younger you are, you figure I'm invulnerable. I don't need to work out. I don't need this. I don't have to watch what I eat. I don't have to watch my weight at this. I'll worry about it when I'm 70 or 80 or whatever. So it's putting it off for convenience. So you're yes. not looking at the science of it. You're looking at it's easy for me. Yeah. That's terrible because it just becomes more ingrained and the longer you permit something that's debilitating to continue, the worse it becomes. Now what happens when you get a doctor, you go to the doctor and you find that you got a serious condition, which if you if you had done something with it 20 years ago, you could have taken care of it. Now all of a sudden it, it, it props up and it's, it's because of the fact that it's been there so long, it's a whole different uh, type of therapeutics that you need. So yes. I, it's a lack of awareness for people really to be aware and consider how important health is and fit, yes. fitness. Yeah, nicely said. Nicely said. Um, I have one final question for you, George, which um, about the, the US elections and so not the political standpoint, but certainly from an Australian looking in, having a different electoral system here to, yeah. to the US and with the, the allegations that have been put out there and you know, things being kicked out of the court and everything. I'm just wondering on what you think. We have a completely independent body that control the electoral process. And I didn't understand until watching it so closely this year that it's not run by an independent body over there. Um, do you think everything that's gone on around this election opens up the door to perhaps we need to step in and have a, an overview of how we run it and to do it a little bit differently in the future? No, I think, I think the answer is yes uh, to do it. I don't, see, I don't see it as a major overhaul I think there have to be different protections to get the politics out of it. Yes. Make it fairer. How do you do that? Well, as long as you've got politicians, it's hard to do because they're going to yeah. want it to go their way. So if, you, if your politics are controlled by the Democrats, they want everything to go the Democratic way. And the same thing if it's a Republican. So to get a, a fair and impartial election is a difficult. Yes. Difficult. Especially difficult now where you have so much money, which is put into a particular party or into a campaign, which could be totally disproportionate, depending upon who the candidate is, makes a, makes a big difference. So it's, it's, it's a situation where there is, it, it, there is correction which should take place and I think will take place, but is it absolutely critical? No, it's not a major overhaul. It's trying to get the politics out of the, out of the, the figure and get it down to what the people really think. Do you think what's going on now is damaging the, um, the political process? Uh, the answer is, uh, yes, I do. Uh, but I think that it is, it's, it's resolving itself. Yeah. I say resolving itself that in, I think the fact that uh, Biden is coming in and Trump is going out is good. All right. I think it's good because the, of 
I think it's time for a change. Yes. And it was just that Trump's style was so way out of bounds compared yes. to what happened years ago. And now you're getting the needle to come back a little more to the center and say more, more realistic, which I think is good. Now, if in fact the uh, Senate is controlled by the Republicans, which I think that it will be, I think that's be a major factor in the in the next four years. Yes, At, uh, that's the safety valve yes. from the uh, Democrats going off the deep end, being so uh, unrealistic and so liberal, and it's the safety valve that the the Senate can can put a control on that. So yes. they'll have to work together. If you get politicians to work together, they can do miracles. Yeah. If you don't yeah. can't get it to work together, forget it. And that's what happened. From the time Trump got elected, he couldn't get any, they didn't want to, they were looking to impeach him in day one. He was an outsider. Mm. He was a he was a businessman, not a politician. Yes, yeah, wonderfully said. Um, George, it's been so great spending some time with you here today. I'm, I'm so grateful for um, being able to spend this time with you. I uh, wish you all the best and have a, a great rest of 2020. And um, hopefully we can see you in person at next year's mega success. One thing, one thing that we should all know is what is going on today is not restricted to a particular country. It's restricted True. to the world. Yes. We don't realize at this point, well, what's happening in Australia is something we ought to be looking at in the United States and vice versa. Yes. But we got to talk now on the basis of what's best in the in the interests of the world as against the interests of an individual country. And that's foreign to all other people because the French are going to think like the French and the Italians. Are going to, it's, it's, everybody's got their own side of politics. And it's nice to talk to say you would be part of common ground, except we're not. We're different. Yes. So it's, uh, you keep that in mind that what, what's good today is it may not be good tomorrow. But yeah, you got the exactly right. that basically uh, somehow things have a way of working out. Yeah. Thanks so much, George. You're welcome.